Good morning. Matt is lighting the second candle here this morning of our Advent candles. Last week we lit the first candle signifying the, uh, the hope that we have in Christ. And this week we light the candle that signifies the peace of Christ. And when we light this candle, we're not just lighting a candle that is referencing peace in a sense of uh, an emotional peace, but it's the actual reality, as Romans 5.1 says, that because Christ died and we were justified with Him, we have peace with God. We actually have a right relationship. In fact, when you think of the peace of Christ, you're actually referring to, it's a statement of your relationship with God. It's a relationship of peace. It's one in which He is no longer angry. It's one in which our sins no longer evoke His wrath because He poured His wrath out on Christ. It's the hope that allows us to be able to say to people, hey, we are not only going to offer, uh, uh, you know, when we sin, we can go to God and we can say, listen, we can be at peace with you. We can seek forgiveness because we believe that Christ is our peace. He's the one that solved the problem. And, and so we light this candle to be reminded of the person of Christ. And that's what we've been doing this Advent season. The goal has been for us as a church, as a body, to reflect on the person of Jesus Christ. Who is He? Who is this one who has come? And we're going to do that again today by looking at the power of Christ. Last week we looked at His person. Today we'll look at His power. And we're going to follow the same flow as we followed last week. I'm going to take a moment and set up what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to sing, and that's the, the children will be dismissed to child care, and then at that point we'll, I'll come back up and talk some more, then we're going to respond in a song, and I'll come back and talk some more, and we'll re respond in a song. And we're doing it this way for a reason, to allow us to have some time to really reflect and engage on the person of Jesus Christ. So today we're looking at the power of Jesus. And we're going to do it a little bit uniquely. Um, you know, we're going to look at His exit today. Even though it's Christmas time and we're celebrating His entrance into the world, it's actually easy to celebrate, or it's easy to get lost in just looking at His, at his entrance. Uh, and it's easy to get lost in just treating Christmas as like a, an emotional holiday, a sentimental holiday. But the reality is that His entrance into the world was an entrance of something very powerful. And you get an understanding of this when you look at his exit. When he leaves, Jesus gives a definition of everything and, and, and explains to the disciples how they're to view him and how they're to view your life in relation to him and for them to really get an understanding of who Jesus is. And so we're going to look at his exit so that we could then backfill it and look at his entrance and begin to start understanding some of these sayings that come around at Christmas time. There's many sayings, there's many Christmas songs, and sometimes we let the words blow past us because we don't really understand the significance of them. And so we'll look at his, at his exit today and what he said, and we'll see how that helps us understand his entrance into this world. You know, it was said that uh, when the atomic bomb was dropped on Japan at the end of World War II, and Harry Truman was on a ship, and and, uh, and, and he had gotten word that the bomb, the first drop, bomb had been dropped. And uh, it's recorded that he said something along this line. This isn't an exact quote. Something along the lines of, the most important event in the history of the world just took place. And I can understand that statement. 
An atomic bomb is a major event. You know, dropping one on a country is a huge event. No question in my mind. The second most significant event in the history of the world was that atomic bomb. But the first, the first and most significant event that actually occurred on this planet where some event took place was the entrance of Jesus into this world, the one who made the atom that could be split, the one who has the power over all of the atoms, the one who rules and reigns, entered this world, did something, accomplished something, and then united us to that work. And we are now connected to this very powerful event. That's what I want us to see today. And what I'm hoping happens as we go through this is that we get a chance to really understand and really get a chance to to understand many of the ideas and themes that are behind most of the Christmas songs that we sing. Because they're actually about the power and authority of Jesus. And when we sing those songs, and especially as you think about with your children, talking to children about these songs, it's good to not just sing them and teach our kids these songs, but to actually stop and say, no, this is actually making a powerful statement. And you've got to catch that statement. And so I want us to see this today. So I want us to see the authority of Jesus. I want us to see how that authority then impacts our lives and impacts the way we should live for the rest of our lives. And so we're going to do that this morning. But before we jump into the sermon, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing again. But just join me in a word of prayer. Father, we just sung of the authority of Jesus. We just absolutely sung that and, 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 and had our hearts and our minds just be reminded of Christ. And I pray now that as we enter into this study, as we enter into to who Jesus really is, I pray, God, that it would just make certain words and terms that come out at this time of the year just jump out at us and allow us to get a huge, huge view of Jesus. And so I thank you that we have the privilege of studying this together, Lord. And may our love for Christ and our awe of Him grow as we examine your word together. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I would ask you this morning to take your Bibles and open them to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, a passage that uh, you probably don't associate with Christmas. You associate it more with a missions conference. But I'm not certain that many of the Christmas songs like we just sung make sense until you understand Matthew 28. And we're going to be looking this morning at verses 18 through 20, passage many of you are familiar with. Let me go ahead and read it for you. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There are three very powerful things that are in this passage. Three very powerful truths that help us understand Jesus and our lives and and our purpose 
And, and it's pretty clear. And this is the truth that actually is, that we're supposed to use as we view his entrance into the world. When we look at his entrance, we have to look at through the lens of his exit. What is he trying to accomplish? What is it that all of this was about? And what should it really mean for us? And so today we're going to see three things, as you see there in your bulletin. The power of Jesus, the purpose of the church, and the promise of the Messiah. And I believe that there is an individual application to this text, a corporate church-wide application, and a global application. And that individual, corporate, and global uh, application is actually what drives the majority of the Christmas hymns that have been written. And as we go through this, I think you'll see it. But let's begin by looking at the power of Jesus. I want you to look at verse 18 again. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the context is Jesus, of course, has died. He's risen from the dead. Now that he's risen from the dead... He isn't living with the disciples like he did before the cross. He's making these appearances. <clears throat> and then he tells them, I want you to go to this mountain and wait for me. And so they go to the mountain, they wait there. And Jesus shows up, and the first thing that he says to them, here in Matthew, is that he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, for a moment, just stop and think about that. There is no other authority, is what he's saying. In all of creation, the spiritual realm the physical realm, I possess 100% of the authority. Now, that is a powerful statement. He's saying the whole of the world, everything, and everything that you are going to do flows out of the fact that I possess all authority. Now, you, you can't lose that. You can't lose that. I want you to just to stop and think about what he's saying here. It's, it, in one sense, you say, Steve, it's pretty obvious. He's saying he has all authority over heaven and earth. I get that. But, but think about it for just a moment. There is nobody who possesses more authority than Jesus. And his whole entrance into the world was him coming in and beginning to exact his reign over creation, over humanity. He was coming into the world not just to create a sentimental reality for us. It wasn't to take us from an HBO movie to a Hallmark movie, right? It's not that kind of redemption. From some horrible movie to some horrible thing to now we all live in this Hallmark world where it only snows on Christmas Day and everybody's happy and it's all great and exciting and everybody can run outside in the snow without their jackets on and go, oh, it's great, and love it, okay? That was what, what he wasn't doing. He wasn't trying to create a sentimental reality for us. You were looking at me like you've never seen a Hallmark film. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Right? At the end of the film, they all run out. They don't have jackets on. Oh, and they dance it around. Right? It's, it's horrible. I don't do that in the snow. I hate the cold. Okay. But his whole point of life was not to bring in that kind of sentimentalism. It was to exact his reign over creation. Think about that. We sing that song at Christmas time. Joy to the world, the Lord 
has come. Let earth receive her king. That's what they're saying. All authority. Christmas is about the entrance of the king of kings to all creation. The psalm, in Psalm 2, I reference Psalm 2 a lot. You know this, right? Because it's one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 2, the kings of the earth are fighting. They're warring with each other. And the psalmist says, why do they fight? Why do they war? This is, here's the reason why they fight in war, because they want to be king of the earth. But the Lord in heaven, he laughs and he says, no, I've established my king. And the Lord in heaven says, I've placed my king over the whole of the earth. And that king can ask me for whatever nation he wants. And I will give him that nation, and he could break that nation with his fist and his fury. That's in the psalm. That's what Psalm 2 says. He can break that nation. What Psalm 2 is saying is Jesus can say, Father, give me that country. And the Father says, it's yours. And he can go in and smash that country and smash those rulers and take down that kingdom anytime he wants. And so the psalmist ends by saying, O kings of the earth, You better pay homage to him. He has all authority over heaven and earth. So, here's the reality. Jesus is standing before his disciples and he's saying, guys, all authority in every sphere of the world is mine. That is my power. That is my reign. If somebody were to ask me, Steve, what right do you have to be strategizing to send people to northwestern Ontario to send missionaries up there to preach the gospel. What right do you have to do that? What right do you have to talk to somebody and tell them about Jesus? I would tell them I stand on one right, that Jesus possesses all authority over heaven and earth. He's a powerful king. He's a king that can crush you in a millisecond, but he's a merciful king. And the one who possesses all authority, we're inviting you to come and be under his rule and reign. And the reason why we're going is because the one who rules over all of the planet told us to go. He has all authority. The celebration of Christmas is the celebration of the authority of Christ. That's what the celebration is. And the right to go into the world comes from the fact that the King of Kings has told us to go there. And so we're sent on a mission from him. But this mission is derived by his authority. So this means something very, very important for your life. When you are connected to Jesus, you are connected to the one who possesses all authority. There isn't any kingdom that has more authority than Jesus. There isn't any sinner in the world who has more authority than Jesus. There isn't even any problem in your life that has more authority than Jesus. There's nothing in the world that possesses more authority in the world than Jesus Christ. That's probably a good spot for an amen, right? I mean, that's a powerful point. He possesses all authority. And so, I do things and I live for him because he is the king. And so, the power of Jesus is that he possesses all authority. So he enters the world. His entrance into the world is the entrance of the king to exact his rule and reign over creation. Now, that leads us to our second point. 
The second point is this, the purpose of the church then. As his people, as his body, what does that mean for us? What should be the take-home when I think of his entrance into the world and all that he did and all that he accomplished? What's the take-home? Look at verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so what he says is, now listen, incredible things are about to take place. Since I am the king over all the earth, I'm sending you to all the earth. Kind of makes sense, right? If the point of, of his entrance is that he's exacting his rule over all creation, then we are sent to all creation, right? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's what the point of that song is saying. He has come to the whole world, and so he sends us to the whole world. And the great thing about God is that he made a promise to Abraham a long time ago. And that promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 is he said, Now listen, I'm forming you, Abraham, into this nation. But the point of forming you into a nation is not just to have a really cool nation on earth. The point of you and your nation is that you would bless the whole world because, you see, the reality as we learn as, we, as the Old Testament unfolds is that God places his king over all the world. And the whole point of it all is that he says, I'm forming you in the nation so that through you, the world would be blessed. And how is the world blessed through Jesus or through Abraham? It's through the coming of Jesus. This is what Paul was trying to teach in Galatians 3. Listen to Galatians 3, 7 and 8, and then I'm going to drop down to verse 16. Galatians 3, 7 and 8, Paul says, Know then that this is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. Now Paul is saying, listen, we're all saved by faith, and everybody in the whole world, Gentiles, you can insert the word world there, all these people, the whole world, are blessed. And they're blessed through Abraham, because this is what the Scriptures taught. And he unfolds this, and in verse 16, Paul then explains it very clearly. He says, now the promises were made to Abraham, and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. He's saying, God made that promise to Abraham, told Abraham, through your offspring, the world's going to be blessed. Guess what? The world, the entire world is blessed through Jesus. And so our mission, our focus is this. Since Christ's authority extends over all the earth, we go to all the nations. We go to all the nations and we tell them, that Jesus is Lord. He is the sovereign ruler over all creation. Now, you've, many of you have heard many sermons on Matthew 28. I'm not going to pretend like I'm offering something new or profound to you that you haven't heard before. But again, just to remind you of things you probably already know about this text. In verse 19, when it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, it's really translated as you go. It's not really like a command to go. It's actually written in a way that's just saying, as you live your life, wherever you go, make disciples. That's the command. Now, I want you to stop and think about something, and you have to understand this statement, make disciples and the authority of Jesus and see how they all fit together, because this is where uh, it can get complex sometimes. Because sometimes people, they take verse 19, and they kind of separate it out from verse 18. 
And so you can say, okay, Jesus has all authority. Now I got to go make disciples. So what does that mean? Well, now I got to teach people how to handle their money, and I got to teach people how to solve their problems. And I'm not really a disciple maker. My life's so messed up, I can't make disciples. I, I don't even know I can get out of the house in the morning, let alone go make disciples. And so it's easy to start thinking of discipleship through the lens of all the books and materials and training manuals we have on disciple making and, and to think, I can't do that. I need someone to do that with me and, and I can't be a disciple maker. But just stop for a moment and before we make it more complex with all of the books that we have on disciple making, we can look at this passage in the simplicity of it and recognize that this is something all of us can do. It's very simple. Just stop and think about it this way. Jesus says, I possess all authority. I'm God. I'm king. I'm ruler over all creation. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go, and everywhere you go, I want you to be an ambassador of that reality. And I'm going to give you a simple definition of disciple-making. It's helping people understand and believe and trust in the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. You could say it this way. It's helping people align their life under the rule and authority of Jesus Christ. It's helping people understand this is what we're doing. And so he says, now listen, as you go, on your way, I want you to make these disciples. I want you to help people fall under my rule and authority. As you live, do this. Now, you might say to yourself, okay, um, I'm really not in a great position to do that because I'm not doing that right now. I'm not under the authority of Jesus. I'm kind of living under my own authority. I'm kind of not really in a place where I can bring someone alongside and say, let me help you follow under the authority of Christ. Great, okay. So the first disciple you're going to make is yourself, okay? And you're going to say this. You're going to say, okay. I am not living as if Jesus is Lord. I know that because I see all the fruit of what happens when I'm the Lord of my own life. Worry, fear, anxiety, depression, anger. You know, just pick an emotion. You know, any emotion, just pick it. That is the fruit of when you are in charge of the world. That's the fruit of it. And we say, okay, Whatever that emotion is, whatever that thing I'm feeling, I need to bring that under the authority of Jesus. So, driving down the road, getting a traffic jam, getting angry. Oh, I can't believe these people. Why can't they drive? You know, it's very simple to drive, right? Just pay attention to what you're doing. Right? Can come out, right? That might have happened to me once, 10, 15 years ago, 30 years ago. Hasn't happened in years, right, Amber? No. <laughs> that comes out. That's a discipleship moment for me. Isn't it? Jesus, you're in control of this car. You're in control of the time. You're in control of my life. You are not sitting in heaven going, oh my, I had all these great plans for Stephen. Now he's stuck in a traffic jam. Those drivers ahead of you have just messed up the entire plan for Leston's life. Wow, I'm glad he's angry. He should be more angry, right? God's not doing that. He's in control. A wonderful discipleship moment. You are in control of the car and this moment. This is a sermon for me right now. just want you to know. You're in control, God. You're in 100% control. I want to bring my life under your authority. When I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and all the worries of a relationship issue starts going through my head, 
That's a wonderful moment to bring my life under the authority of Jesus Christ. And say, so, you know what, God? You're in control of my relationships. You're in control. Your spirit's at work in this person over here. I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to sit there and obsess on what's going to happen in their life. And, and if this doesn't happen, then this will happen. And on and on it goes. And, and what about them? And what happens if they do this? And if they do that? And what happens if they do this? As if the spirit of God isn't at work in their life? As if God isn't in control of them? No. It's a wonderful discipleship moment. Let's bring it all under the authority of Jesus Christ. As we bring ourselves under submission to the authority of Jesus, I think we develop the skill that as we go, as we go, we can help others and we can pray for others. And we can recognize that he's in charge of times and seasons and everything. Maybe you're in a spot where you can help people do that. And that's what we do. We bring it under the authority of Jesus. If you're in a bad spot right now, bring yourself under the authority of Jesus. Find someone who will help you bring it under the authority of Jesus. And this is why he's saying, listen, as you go, as you go, I want you to make disciples, but I want you to keep your eye on the fact that it's all nations. It's all of them. Because his reign extends beyond just our community. It extends to the whole world. This is the reality of it. This is why he goes on and he says, listen, you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is that statement saying? Well, we talked about baptism a few weeks ago when we were studying Acts that that was the reality of saying, I am identifying with Jesus. I am completely identifying, not just with Jesus, but with the whole Godhead. I'm saying now the Father becomes my Father, the Son becomes my Lord, and the Spirit becomes my indwelling enabler. Become all of that. And so now I'm aligning with that. And I'm recognizing that when I died and I rose with Jesus, that I am now connected with the Father, connected with the Son, connected with the Spirit. And he's saying, go out there and bring people into this. I remember one time I was talking to a man from another country, and he said that uh, he was showing me pictures of these churches that he'd planted. I think they were in northern India. And all of the front of the churches were these baptismals. All right in the front. And, and I asked him, I said, are those like wading ponds? I didn't know what they were. Are they pools? He said, no, they're baptismals. He says, when, when somebody professes faith in Christ in front of the entire community, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit to let them know they are now under the authority of God. They're under the authority of God. We make a public statement. I like that. It's powerful. That's what he's saying. And then, of course, what happens? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Now, it's a really powerful statement, right? Obey everything Jesus said. But I want you to stop and think about it this way. You could look at that as a checklist, right? You could write down every red word in your Bible, right? So I'm going to obey everything Jesus said. Or I could say it this way. What did Jesus ultimately want? He wanted every sphere of my life to be under his rule and his reign. And he wanted me to see my life as not just living for my own pleasure, but living for his kingdom. That the call of Christ is not a call to believe in a creed, but it's a call to join him in his rule and his reign over his creation. 
And so we do that by saying, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to live here? What do you want in this situation? What do you want in my life, my family, my business? Whatever it is you can kind of tick off and look at in your life and say, okay, I'm going to be under his rule and his reign because the new life of a disciple is a life of saying, I'm bringing it under his authority to live in obedience to him. This is why we call people to follow Jesus as Lord and why we focus on that. So here's the point. Jesus possesses authority over all creation. He takes that authority and he says, now listen, I want you to now go to the world and bring that to the nations and let them know that I have authority over everything. Now what we should do is take a moment and reflect on that. He possesses all authority. And that authority then extends to us to bring our lives under that authority and to help others bring their lives under that authority and to proclaim that reign. But there's one more thing that we see in this text. We see the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the sent one. I want you to look at it there. He says, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. It's interesting. There are a couple of commands in this passage. One of them is to make disciples. One of them is to teach. One is to baptize. But there's actually one that oftentimes gets overlooked, and it's actually the word behold. Behold is actually a command. Some of the old translations used to use the word lo. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. It actually means to look. The most literal thing is to call it look. Look, stop and look. It's a, it's a harsh command. It's a, not harsh in the sense of an angry, but a sense of saying, stop, look. You know, that kind of sense. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, now stop and look and realize something. This command wasn't just for the 120 or so first disciples. One of the things we learned about this command is it's to extend over all creation. He's the Lord over all creation. He's a Lord over every human being. It's going to go until the end of the age. It's just going to keep going. It's been passed from the disciples to us. And that's how you see it fleshed out throughout the whole of the New Testament. And what Jesus is saying at the very beginning is he's saying, now stop and look and realize one thing. I am with you always. Now that is a powerful statement. He will never disengage. No matter how crazy it seems, he will never disengage. Now, when we, you study the life and you study the words of Jesus, one of the things that you will discover is that part of the process of being a follower of Jesus is dying to yourself, dying to your flesh. And so many times that process of becoming a disciple of Jesus is very painful. It's very painful, very difficult. We don't surrender the lordship of our life easily, do we? Right? We really don't. We can kind of walk through life very easily as practical atheists, believing that there's God, but in all practice, we live as if we're God. We live as if we're in control. And so oftentimes that process involves a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty, and we live in a world where we deal with our own sin, 
We deal with the sin of others, and we deal living in a fallen body that's decaying. And so we deal with all of this stuff. And going out in the world, Jesus says, I'm going to send you as lambs among wolves. Lambs among wolves. That's a powerful statement. This is a difficult journey. This is why this promise is here. This is why he's saying, I want you to stop and look. I want you. It's another way of saying, always remember, don't ever forget, you are not alone. I came into this world to unite all things under my authority, that all things in heaven and earth would be under my control. And as I leave you to extend that rule and reign on this earth, as I leave you to extend that, I'm not leaving you as a distant God on a distant shore watching you. I am with you to the end of the age. That's a powerful statement and it is something we must never forget. Because it is hard. Jesus won't leave us if we have to face difficulties, if we have to face trials, if we have to face the sins of others, if we are called to leave the comforts of our home, even if it means facing death. He will not leave us. He won't leave us if we face ridicule. He won't leave us. He's not going to spare us from the reality of this difficult world. But he said, I'll join with you to the end of the age. So the one who possesses all power and authority says, I will be with you forever. It's a pretty good place to be. It's a pretty good place to be. So here is what we are told. The power of Jesus is that he has rule and reign over all creation. The purpose of our life, then, is to bring ourselves under that rule and reign and to help others fall under that rule and reign. And the promise that we stand upon is that He'll never leave us. He'll never leave us. Until this mission is complete, He's going to stick around. And He's going to stay by our side until He brings it all to fruition. And then we get to join Him forever and eternity. So, Christmas, then, is about the entrance of the King of Kings into all creation. Now, at the very beginning, I said there are three kind of applications, a personal one, a corporate one, and a global one. I want to tell you and kind of show you what I mean by this. And these are the elements of Christmas and actually that drive a lot of the Christmas songs because I want you to understand something. Many of the Christmas songs that you sing that you'll hear. You're going to walk through Walmart, you're going to hear a Christmas song. And I'm trying to, to clue you into listening to them. They have some elements of the Great Commission embedded within them. Okay? And I want to show it to you. First of all, so let's deal with the first application. I'm going to tie it to a Christmas song. Okay? First application is this. is an individual one. And the individual mission, I'll just, I use the word share, but actually it's kind of lame to use the word share, but I put it in there anyways. And, and it's the whole idea of this, that, that my job now is just to recognize that Jesus, who has all authority over all creation, he has left me here to, to, to not only for myself to be under that rule and reign, but to help you and to share it with others, to be able to speak to this world. And so riots are going on in other parts of the country, and all kinds of things are in uproar, and civil unrest, and civil discord, and, and, and racial divides are going on in the world, and we can speak to that as Christians. How? I can say, do you see what happens when Jesus isn't the Lord? Men can't govern themselves. We need a king that's greater than our earthly kings. We need an authority that's greater than our earthly authority because we keep messing this up. World, would you fall under the authority of Jesus or this is what you're going to have? 
This is the fruit of ruling yourself outside of the authority of Christ. See, we can speak to that. We can speak to our culture. We can speak to the age. And I want you to stop and think about something. Christmas songs are generally about proclaiming the entrance of the Messiah. Most Christmas songs are missional songs. We are proclaiming to the world that the Lord has come. Hark, the angel says. Glory to the newborn king. We're announcing to the world that he's come. So I was at the store, walking through a store the other day. I hear this Christmas song going on. And it was Hark the Herald Angels Say. I'm thinking, wow, this Christmas, it's this, this a missional song going on. We're proclaiming the Lord has come. Because that's what we're here to do, to announce to the world that the king has arrived. And to announce to people that if you don't fall under his authority, you're not only going to mess your life up in this earth, but then you're going to fall under his wrath at the end of the age. Fall under him now and find his mercy and his justice and his judgment and his mercy now. See, that's our calling. That's our individual calling. Now, what about our corporate calling? Our corporate calling, then, I like to say, is to prepare. What do I mean by that? The mission of our church, then, is to help you understand the authority of Jesus. The point behind all of us gathering corporately is that you can come in and help me as I walk through this world, and I can help you as you walk through this world so that we can understand how to fall under the authority of Jesus. A lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really need the church. You know, the church is all messed up. I'm just going to take my Bible and go home or go out in nature and read and pray. Who needs the church? And you start to say, we need each other. We're to build each other up. I might be having a really bad day, and I might need you to come alongside and help me learn how to bring this moment under the authority of Jesus. You might be having a really bad day, and I might have to help you bring yourself under the authority of Jesus. We need to gather together as one body in unity to worship Jesus, and then to build each other up to walk with Jesus. And the point of our gathering is to do that for each other, to share that forever. And that's what every, that, you know, one of the things I love about this church, one of the things I love about, you know, when we send our kids to Sunday school, why would I send them to Sunday school? I send them to Sunday school because I want my kids to know something. You need the body of Christ. You need people speaking into your life. When you leave my home and I commission you to go out into this world, do not go it alone. Find yourself a local church where you will be taught and encouraged and built up. And I want you from your youth to know the benefit of having other people speak into your life. And many of you have influenced my children. And you've given the gifts that God's given you to them. And I celebrate you for that. And any, any success that goes on in our children's lives as they leave here isn't just in part to everything that, that we, Heather and I, did at home. It's the fact that you spoke into my kids' lives as well. Youth leaders came in and, and spoke truth and, and helped me in this task of, of, of helping my children not only see that they're my, my children, but they're part of the body of Christ. And we build each other up, and that's what we do. I'm not asking you to raise my kids, but I am asking you to use your gifts to speak into the life of my children and me 
and my family because we need it. And many of you have come alongside and have offered words of encouragement and have said things and, can, and prayed for us. And that's what we're doing because, you see, you're helping me fall under the authority of Jesus. And you're guiding me in that process. And this is what the vision that I believe Jesus had for his church so much so that when the Apostle Paul is writing the book of Ephesians, he says his goal is that these leaders would come into the church to equip people so that the body would begin to build itself up in love. It would become this discerning, strong place to where it would just be suddenly churning out people who are building each other up to such a degree that the world goes, wow, that is one wild place over there. I don't know what they're doing in that, in that group when they gather, but they come out of there different. And that's what Paul, the vision of the church is. So the point, the corporate application of Christmas is that we build each other up. What's the global then? The global is to support and send. Very simple. The Great Commission is that we're going to the nations of the world. We cannot just keep our eyes on ourselves. The authority and the reign of Jesus is over all creation. And there are some that God is going to raise up from our midst who are going to go and they're going to extend the reach of Kishwaukee Bible Church to the nations of the world. And we're going to lay hands on them and we're going to send them and they're going to go and we're not going to say, oh my, we just lost a good Sunday school teacher. Oh my, we just lost a good whatever. Oh my. No, we're saying, great, go. Kishwaukee Bible, extend the reaches to the nations of the world. Why? Because we sing at Christmas time, joy to the world the Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. It's a proclamation to the nations. The king has come. And so the coming of Jesus into the world, the coming of Jesus into this world, is the coming of the authority of Jesus Christ, who then calls us to bring our lives under His authority so that we would then go and spread that and be part and join with Jesus to spread it to the world. That is Christmas. And I will tell you this, Start listening to the Christmas songs. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will hear these themes being ringed over and over and over again. Put on Pandora. Put joy to the world in your Pandora. Make a joy to the world radio station. If you have no clue what I'm saying, that's okay. <laughs> but I'm trying to sound hip for one moment. Okay? If you have no clue what I'm saying, and I'm telling you, listen to the Christmas songs. They are all about this. And this is the stuff that should get your attention, get you excited when you're walking through the store, you're going out shopping and you're hearing this music. Let it ring in your ears. And if you've got your children with you, stop and say, hey, you know what this song is saying? Here's what this song is saying. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today grateful that you sent Jesus into the world, the one that you appointed to be judge, the living and the dead, the one that you've appointed to rule and reign. You sent him into the world not just to bring wrath right now, but to bring the message that we can be under his rule and reign, that we can have peace with you, we can have hope that you can save us and change us. Lord, all of us have thousands of areas, little areas in our lives, big areas in our lives where we're just struggling to be under your authority. So Lord, may we be a disciple of you. May we recognize the reality of what it is to be aligned with you. 
And then, Lord, may you cause us and, and to, to use the gifts and the, the, the outworkings and, and the skills you've given us to help others bring their life under the authority of Jesus. And as we do that for each other, and we do this here in our community, we do it with people everywhere we go, give us a platform to speak about the authority of Jesus to this world. And Lord, may you raise up many, many people from our own midst who would even go to the furthest reaches of the world to spread the authority and the reign, to join with you as you execute your rule over this planet. We truly, truly, truly say you are the King of kings and that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth in the same way that is done in heaven. Lord, let those thoughts fill our minds this Advent season because that's what you were coming to accomplish. And Lord, let us begin to think about it, meditate on it, let the songs that we hear around us in the stores and on the streets, wherever we hear them in our homes, let these truths kind of click and ring. And let us pause and reflect on that. And let this be a time where we celebrate your kingdom, your power, and your authority. In Christ's name, amen.